recording. Good. Nice to be here with you all today. Well, welcome. This is the 169th annual communication of the uh, the Grand Lodge of Minnesota, and uh, we're doing a uh, a series of interviews today with people that have played an important role in uh, in the work of the Grand Lodge as well as Minnesota Masonic Charities. And our first victim of the day is uh, Mark Campbell. Mark is dressed in... Why don't you explain to uh, the, the, the listeners how we're dressed today? Sure, John. The um, uh, opening of the Grand Lodge always includes a uh, processing of the colors. That's the first piece of business that takes place. And the Heroes of 76, which is an honors society, if you will membership of from the National Sojourners, which is military masons, um, is frequently asked, uh, and in my 30 years has always been asked, uh, to, to convey the colors. And so this morning, uh, we did so once again, and uh, uh, I am dressed in a, a period costume uh, from colonial times, most of the uh, uh, sojourners are military veterans. I, however, am not. And therefore, when I was uh, elected to the uh, Heroes of 76 and uh, I needed a uniform, uh, we discussed it at some length and, and decided that since in the American system, the military is uh, under civilian control, that uh, having a civilian costume from the period would be appropriate. So that's how I am dressed, as you would see somebody like Jefferson, uh, for example, in the uh, colonial period. So that's uh, uh, why I am dressed in a all-black uh, uh, outfit. Very interesting. Now, you don't dress like this all the time. This is just... Uh, only on Fridays. Only on Fridays. Only on Fridays. And Bob Selden and only, just walked by. Only on Fridays during Lent, right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, Mark, you, uh, you've held just about every role, uh, leadership role, as far as Masonic Charities is concerned. Mm-hmm. Take us back to what, what was it that uh, inspired you to become a Mason in the first place? Well, my father became a Mason in 1953. So Masonry has been uh, on the periphery of my life. Um, Of course, when I was a youth, my dad was always after me to join the D-Malay, but I, of course, being a typical teen, didn't do anything that my father wanted me to do. So I uh, missed that opportunity. Uh, years later, when I uh, developed a bit of an interest in the Masons, um, I, I joined Richfield Lodge Number 334. Um, that was 1988. So I've been around for 34 years now. So I've had lots of opportunities to uh, participate in the, in the Masons and in their uh, in a variety of charities that that uh, uh, the Masons have been in, involved with over the years, um, I was the master of Richfield Lodge in 1993, and uh, uh, 
when I was the master of the lodge, I was asked to join the board of directors of the Minnesota Masonic Foundation, which ultimately, years later, became a part of Minnesota Masonic Charities. So I have been involved with Masonic Charities and its forerunners since about 1994. And with Masonic Charities, when it was developed, you were were you on the original board? Yes, okay, you were. And I know you served as chair. Yes. And uh, you've continued as a, uh, as I, I would just say, a, a very uh, thoughtful supporter of the organization. As, as you well know, John, uh, Minnesota Masonic Charities has uh, term limits, and uh, as did its board, uh, the board of trustees of Minnesota Masonic Home, which was another one of the forerunners of uh, Minnesota Masonic Charities. And uh, service on those boards is limited to nine years. Uh, So I had the opportunity to serve on subsidiary boards uh, uh, from Minnesota Masonic Homes, uh, Cluster Homes, and uh, the Minnesota Masonic Homes uh, Finance Committee, if you will. It wasn't a full board at that time. Um, and then as, as my tenure with that group was coming to an end, um, that's about the time that Minnesota Masonic Charities was, was created uh, from the predecessor groups. And uh, uh, so I was asked to join that group, and so I had the opportunity to serve there for another nine years, including two years as chairman. So in your... You know, Masonic history. Is there a, a, a particular? Is there something in particular that you're especially proud of? Like looking back on your 34 years, is there, you know, a, a, an event or a, a, a moment that you look back with just great enthusiasm? Well, as I think you're aware, John, I was involved when uh, when we increased our commitment to the University of Minnesota. Initially. Uh, the University of Minnesota has long been a beneficiary of Masonic charity. Um, in, in, during my tenure as, as chairman of Minnesota Masonic Charities, we made the $65 million commitment uh, to, to the cancer uh, components of the uh, uh, Minnesota, uh, what is now the Minnesota Masonic Cancer Center. Um, that's an event that I guess I am pretty proud of. Um, I had the opportunity to sit in on innumerable meetings sure. <laughs> um, to negotiate uh, the agreement and, and the, um, the mechanism that was going to be used to, to assist them. Uh, since that time, of course, we've, we've repeatedly increased our uh, uh, activities with the University of Minnesota. And uh, it's it's a it's great fun to go over and walk around and say, "Gee, I did some of that." Gee, I did some of that. It really is, and it, you know the uh, the sixty five million dollars uh, was on top of thirty five million that we had already at least at least thirty five. Yep. You know the and Masonic the, Charities and its appendant uh, organizations are the largest donors to the University of Minnesota in its history, yep. which is pretty spectacular. Aside from the state of Minnesota. Uh, which, that, that is true. <laughs> well, and it, 
you have to take into account the original $5 million from 1955. Yeah. So that is the voice of Roger McNear, who also has uh, served many years on the Masonic Charities Board, and he is uh, uh, serving uh, as a co-host this morning here uh, at Grand Lodge. Makes me feel like a salmon. A salmon? A co-host. Oh, boy. Okay, we'll be editing that out. I told them that you know anything that uh, that comes across uh, that I don't like, I'm going to edit out, edit it out because I have that power. So, and he wields it well. It wields it well. Um, one last question: You and uh, your bride, Leila, um, have been long supporters of Masonic charities. Mm-hmm. Now there are plenty of opportunities for for your treasures to uh, to make philanthropic uh, commitments. Why Masonic charities? Well, I, I probably because I've spent what now amounts to half of my life working for Masonic yeah. charities, and so and the know, pay's been the same the whole time. It has, it has. <laughs> uh, I, I have had, if you if you count experiences, you know, we we have had uh, a great pay, but beyond the experiences. Yeah, it cost a couple of bucks here and there. So here and there, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and you're a big donor, Mark, and you're one that we're yeah. proud to have. Thanks, Roger. Because of your commitment to charities. Well, and and when we, when my wife and I sat down, we have no children, so it's not like we're trying to fund college or any of the other things that. Yeah, we, I wonder what that's like. That most families have to do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm currently in the belly of that beast. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, you're... you know, somebody had to start that process. That's right. And we and we have. I mean, one of the activities that Minnesota Masonic Charities undertakes in a major way is the scholarship program. And the scholarship program started with the Minnesota Masonic Foundation. Foundation, absolutely. And so we uh, we ran that. Uh, uh, on a much more modest level than what you are able to do today, but we ran that program for the nine years that that I was on that board. Um, we we uh, tried to get a leg up on these youngsters when they're coming out to uh, uh, get an education and be producing members of society. That is one of the things that I really enjoy about Masonic Charities. You know, through the scholarship program, it allows us to connect with these young people that have got just such brilliant, bright futures. And forever, we're going to be connected to those folks as playing a role in them getting the education that they're getting. And, uh, you know, many of them, you know, to this day will come back and, and, you know, let us know how they're doing. And they're continuously grateful for the the support that we gave them early on. We just got a wonderful letter from one of the recipients this spring. Winter, spring, whatever this season is, who, thanking us for our contribution to her education. A wonderful letter. Yeah, it's it's very nice. Well, and we, we continue to provide a multi-year scholarship program that uh, not many kids can get. I mean, when you look at our signature program, uh, four-year commitment, four or five thousand dollars a year. That's a pretty good deal for a kid who's, if they're going to a reasonable college, you know, that'll, that'll take them a long way. Yeah, it's, uh, as the, uh, the father of a couple of college uh, students, I wish my boys were eligible for that. And 
I got a daughter coming up. We'll have to work on those bylaws. I'll well, edit that out too. You can apply to some of the local lodges for assistance. Oh, there you go. I hadn't it's even. It's just t- not as great assistance as charities. It's able true. To Indeed. It's true. Because Indeed. the scholarship program that Mark was originally involved with still flourishes, and a, local lodges we give. My little lodge gives out three thousand dollars a year to students. No and four. the matching funds concept came from that program. Yep. So that's for those of you that aren't aware, Minnesota Masonic Charities matches uh, lodges up to three thousand dollars for their scholarship funds. And uh, I think last year we matched like one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars worth of those kind of yep. scholarships. So it may, you know, one of our objectives at Masonic Charities is to reflect the charitable interests of the brothers and sisters throughout the state of Minnesota. And the matching scholarship program is is one of the ways that we can accomplish that. And, of course, the, the matching scholarship program kind of made a template for the matching grant program that Masonic Charities also provides to the local lodges Absolutely. and chapters. And that, uh, that is a program that continues to flourish. And, you know, once again, it, it, it helps these folks, uh, you know, lodges make uh, twice the impact in the community. So, well... I appreciate your time, Mark. Um, we uh, are grateful for the, the support that you've given and continue to give. Real quick, tell us about the work that you do in the Heritage Center. Well, You seem to be there often. One of, one of the uh, activities of Minnesota Masonic Charities over the recent past was the construction of the Minnesota Masonic Heritage Center, which includes an auditorium and... and uh, uh, theatrical stage and that sort of thing for for events both within the fraternity and without and uh, but we also have the Minnesota uh, Masonic Heritage Museum um, and library the, the, the James Ladd Museum and the Charles Winfield Nelson uh, Library uh, the museum displays the artifacts that the Grand Lodge and, uh, has collected over the last 150 years, um, and it tells the story of masonry. So uh, when folks come in and know little or nothing about masonry, they can leave with a pretty good knowledge of what it's all about. The uh, library... Uh, started in 18, I think it was 1854, um, and they lost their library in 1863-ish. Um, and they had a fire, and they lost everything. And uh, following that, the Grand Lodge got together and assigned a library committee to start assembling books both about masonry and, and about history. And so that, the genesis of what we now have as the Nelson Library um, was those original collections. Okay. Those original collections were, were collected by A.T.C. Pearson, who was one of the founders of the Grand Lodge of Minnesota. And uh, he served the Grand Lodge as, as Grand Master for like six years. After he was Grand Master, he was asked to take charge of the library program. And so they did. And, uh, uh, but over the years, 
we didn't have anybody in charge of the library program. Um, Charles Nelson, who, whose name is on the library, uh, established the Minnesota Masonic Historical Society and Museum, and the library was folded into that. And uh, so Charlie oversaw the, the books and uh, uh, that sort of thing and kept them safe, but never had a real library to be able to, to use them. And uh, so we included that, and we have, uh, I think we counted when we started rostering them, uh, we've got about 17,000 volumes wow. in that library uh, that cover a wide range of, of topics. But, uh, and what I do there today is I'm, I'm working on uh, uh, rostering those volumes and rostering the content of those volumes so they will be searchable, and you can find your information without going through 16,000 wow. volumes. <laughs> Mark, so, are you doing that as well with all the past records from the individual subordinate lodges around the state? That we, we haven't touched the records. The records are there, is, but is we that, haven't touched uh, them. Is that going to be in the process at some point well, in time? Mark Anderson is is our library and museum director, and that's kind of up to him as to when. And the the number of volunteers that it takes to do that. I'll have to put a penny in my shoe. Yeah. So if the the library is burning down and you can only grab one volume, one Mm -hmm. book, which would it be? Well, right now I would say we have to grab the 1723 copy of Anderson's Constitutions, which doesn't belong to us. Okay. <laughs> so we need to, we need to be uh, careful about... Uh, to whom uh, does it belong? The Minneapolis Valley of the Scottish Rite. Oh, okay. It's on loan to us. Okay. And uh, um, it's included in the museum as you, as you pass from the library to the museum. Okay. So, so same uh, as far as the artifacts in the museum are concerned, if you could only grab one thing before she's burning down, what would it be? Mm, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I, I can't really answer that. Okay. Well, you think about that and yeah. come back and give us your yeah. answer at some yeah, point right. later today, and we'll edit that in. Okay. But uh, once again, thank you for, uh, for all that you do. Uh, you are a difference maker, and we are grateful. Thank you. All right, thank and you. thanks for being our first victim. And you were concerned that your voice was going to go. It I, sounded solid I, the whole I time. Good. I yeah. think I still got it. Yeah. You still got it. <laughs> yeah. All right. And off we go. Bye.